Hi everyone, you are tuning in to Learn FM. My name is Lian Tan, and I invite you to join me on a learning adventure through this podcast, where we discuss topics related to learning, growth, personal development, and more. I hope that you are able to digest the information that we'll be sharing and start applying some simple tips and tricks into your daily life. And don't forget to share your learnings with others, because when we learn together, we grow together. I highly recommend that you take time off screen to listen to this, or even go outside for a walk. Of course, please be mindful of your surroundings and stay safe. This podcast is brought to you by DSM. DSM is a global, purpose-led company in health, nutrition, and bioscience, applying science to improve the health of people, animals, and the planet. DSM's purpose is to create brighter lives for all. When I think about microbiome, I always think about the gut health. But is microbiome just only about our gut health? Let's find out more from our guest today, Jack Jeremiah, global head of microbiome discovery at DSM. Hi, Jack. Welcome to this episode of Learn FM, where we are going to talk about microbiomes. But before we get there, how are you feeling today? Well, hello, Leah, and I am doing very well, and it's a pleasure to be here with you today. Yeah, it's a pleasure having you. I'm very excited to hear more about this topic. But before we go straight in, I would like to do some icebreaker questions with you. So don't overthink them. Just answer the first thing that comes into your mind. Perfect. All right. So, where on earth is your favorite holiday location? Ah, favorite holiday location: uh, skiing, either Alps or Rocky Mountains here in in the U.S. Beautiful. And well, you know, speaking about mountains and skiing, which season would you be if you could choose a season? Oh, winter. <laughs> I thought no so. No question. <laughs> I thought that was probably a leading question. And, you know, you are a scientist yourself. What is your favorite scientific discovery? My favorite scientific discovery? Well, that's a very good question. Probably about the, the nature of light. I always find that just fascinating. Photons and uh, how light uh, can even push on us. Oh, wow. So, Jack, could you introduce yourself to our listeners? You know, who are you, Jack, and what do you do? Sure. Uh, Leanne, a pleasure to be here. I'm, I'm new to DSM, but I'm a scientist by training, and I uh, received a PhD in, in chemistry about 20 years ago, and I've been working broadly in the life sciences, uh, as this is applied both to humans and animals, uh, and, and for the past decade, how we study uh, all the microorganisms and our microbiomes and take advantage of, of uh, how we can benefit from, from treating them well and, and gaining the most from how we interact with them. Wow, thank you for sharing this. Now, then I guess you are the right person to ask all about microbiomes. And um, But before we start, is this true or false? There's this myth that the bodies of human beings and animals are mostly sterile. Occasionally, maybe we come into pathogens that cause diseases. So is this what we encounter or is this something that we probably are misled to believe? This is a fantastic question and a great place to start. Uh, I, I think it used to be the myth that our bodies are sterile. And uh, I, I remember hearing that when I was growing up. Uh, but more recently, we've learned entirely to change our thinking on this. No, uh, 
microbes are everywhere. And our bodies contain trillions of healthy bacteria and even viruses and, and other microorganisms that are I'm simply they're just they are part of us and they've evolved along with uh, with animals and humans to be beneficial to us and, you know we we give them a very nice place to live and in return they they help us with nutrition and health and perform e even functions for us metabolic functions that our own cells don't know how to do so it's a very symbiotic relationship and we're just we are full of bacteria and um, is what's the right term is it microbes or microbiome Uh, so I mean, we use the word microbiome now to talk about the collection of all of the, the microorganisms that live within us and on us and how they interact with us. And could we define in a few sentences what microbiome is? Yes, the microbiome is, is simply the collection of all of the organisms, all of their genetic material, all of their potential, everything that they do, and in combination with the environment that we give them. And in that case, the environment is is our bodies or the, the bodies of the animals that live on our farms or, you know, or, or in our homes. So if I am looking on the scale, am I mostly made up of my own body or most of the time it's actually microbes? Oh, this is a great question. Um, you know, when I, when I step on the scale and look down at the number, it, it's, maybe it's a little bit comforting, but I remind myself that uh, not all of those kilos are me. Uh, I can actually, I can see the weight of my own microbiome when I look on the scale. And uh, even though by weight, we're mostly human, if you count the number of cells, we're, uh, we're about 50-50 human and, microbe, and microbial. And If you look even deeper at the genetic material, like, uh, the DNA and the RNA that um, are in those microbes or in within us, only about 1% of us is human. Oh, so technically I can tell people that my weight is 1% of what I see on the scale. Is that correct? <laughs> oh, no, no. no. Your, your weight is about 99% of what oh. you see. But the, oh. in terms of the, the number of genes and what they do, you almost think about the potential of... Uh, of of what our bodies are capable of doing. It's the same, it's the same is true for, for animals. So Jack, if there are so many microbes within animals, do they play an important role in health and nutrition? Yes, so Leon, they absolutely do. And I think you would imagine that's the case given how many there uh, that, that there are. Um, our microbiome helps us digest food and protect our skin. Uh, and one of the most exciting discoveries over the past decade is that microbes, our microbiomes communicate with our immune system. They communicate with our brains, in fact, to affect behavior and stress and cognitive function, uh, reproduction, and even how we respond to vaccines and medications. So as you can imagine, this is a, a very exciting area in animal and human health and research, um, I would say that the way to view it is we used to consider the microbiome to be a collection of organisms. And the discovery of the past few years is that it's actually an organ. It's a discovered organ inside of our bodies, uh, like our heart or our kidneys. And um, when we view it that way, it's a very powerful approach to, uh, to this area of medicine and health and nutrition. Yeah, and, and instead of like, we always think of an organ as something that stays in one spot of our body. This one really just moves all around, doesn't it? It's throughout our bodies, uh, but 
I think the lesson we learn is if we think of it like an organ, instead of worrying about all the different cells uh, and sort of thinking of them individually, we start to think about what is the role that this organ plays in our bodies and in our animals, and, and then how do we take advantage of that. If microbiomes help us so much, then why did the animal production industry put so much emphasis on feeding antibiotics for so long? This is one of those great ironies of science, I, I suppose. Like all other organs, the microbiome, it has its own physiology and its own pathologies, you know, things that can go wrong. And in the microbiome, when something goes wrong, we call it dysbiosis. And usually when we talk about that, it's that there was an infection by some pathogen. It's usually bacteria. And I think it's just like natural evolution of our understanding of biology that um, before you know how an organ works, you really only notice when it's misbehaving. And then you try to treat that problem. Uh, and sometimes we take that approach a little too far. I know. And when we go to the doctor, they just tell you, take an aspirin, you know, or take a painkiller and then come back tomorrow, right? And um, they don't really tell you what's really wrong with you. And they just give you whatever medication that they think could work. I I love this analogy for for AGPs, uh, antibiotic growth promoters, and, and feed antibiotics. Now, I remember too. We were you know you're told to take aspirin for essentially any ailment that causes pain. Uh, but actually, in, in in recent history, that's now become more antiquated medical science. We uh, we use aspirin in a way that is more. Uh, has higher precision, and in fact, if you overuse it, it actually has is it actually has negative health outcomes. And so, if you extend that analogy into into AGPs and and feed antibiotics, yes, that was a kind of a simple approach that could be used to address some of the the disorders that we have in the microbiome, particularly dealing with with pathogens. And we all know the typical villains like Clostridium perfringens and Campylobacter. Uh, but using antibiotics so broadly was focused only on what was going wrong, and it, it completely missed the opportunity to take advantage of all the benefits the microbiome provides us in order to, uh, to, to, to have an effective way of improving the, the welfare and the health of, and the performance of animals. It seems like the subject of microbiome is suddenly really trendy, like we see it everywhere we go. And, you know, why is it, that we only start seeing more of the trend or the topic coming up right now? And why is there suddenly so much excitement? Well, this is a wonderful observation. And, and it's a great question. So when you think broadly about health and nutrition and even the food sciences, whether this is for humans or animals, we've known about microbiomes for decades. And I guess you'd argue centuries if you think about uh, making cheese and bread. So yeah, why, why suddenly is this so exciting? Well, you know, like most things in in innovation and in biotechnology, it's this is about the timing. So we're kind of, we're right at that point in history where tools have become available for us to study and characterize how microbiomes are composed and how they function, and most importantly, how they interact with their host. And we call that study that branch of science translational biology. And the tools just became a, a available in order to teach us how to study that, and most importantly, how to manipulate the microbiome or influence it so that it improves health and nutrition, and very importantly, sustainability. Whoa, whoa. Can we pause there for a moment? What, what do you mean by using microbiome and looking into sustainability? Yeah, absolutely. So 
the microbiome, I would, we would argue, lies at the heart of sustainability, especially in animal production. And if you go back to our discussion on the, just the number of microbes that exist in the bodies of animals, the, the microbiome is the largest cellular interface, and it's the largest genetic interface between the feed that an animal consumes, its nutritional health, and, uh, and its emissions profile. Uh, if you think about it, cows don't produce methane. Microbes do. And um, earlier we talked a bit about how microbes and our microbiomes co-evolved with animals and humans to be, to be beneficial and to be symbiotic with us. But, you know, it, it turns out that during that evolution, there was never any selective pressure guiding microbiomes to be better for the environment. They were, there was pressure to be better for their host animals and to interact well with them, but not necessarily to be the best at helping to extract nutrition from the food to make animals more feed efficient or to uh, decreasing their emissions profile. And if you think on the behavioral side, there probably wasn't much pressure either to, for, um, to improve animal behavior and welfare. You know, the, nothing, there was no selective pressure or evolutionary pressure, pressure to tell an animal not to bite its neighbor's tail, for instance. There's just simply no reason for the microbes to care about it. So what I'm hearing now is that we cannot just blame cows for producing methane. It is actually, we just have to figure out how to make their microbes work better. Is that correct? That's exactly right. And this is the area where tools, modern uh, scientific tools like metagenomics and translational biology come into play because they give us the opportunity to go in and guide microbiomes, not just to be better for the animal and better for its performance, its efficiency, its profitability, but at the same time, we can also guide it to be better for the environment, usually at, at, at no other cost and sometimes even simultaneous uh, benefits. So you talk about some scientific advances. Do you have more examples of these scientific advances? Yes. So the, uh, I'd say that the big one is the advent of, of metagenomics. And, and what does that mean, actually? It's a big word for a first-time listener. It's a fancy word that means our ability to go in and sequence or read the genetic material of an entire microbial community or ecology. And the analogy here is, you know, if you think back to the end of the, uh, of the 20th century, the, probably one of the biggest advances in biology was sequencing. We sequenced the human genome, and that led to many new discoveries. Well, in a microbiome, you can have thousands, even tens of thousands of different organisms, all that have different genomes. So we had to wait for the sequencing technology to catch up to be able to handle that complexity. And it's, it's been in just the past several years that that's, that's truly possible. And to DSM's credit, we've, we've stood at the forefront of uh, embracing that type of technology and learning how to use it in order to guide our, our innovation and our, our efforts in microbiome science. Wow, thank you so much for explaining this. Now, it sounds like microbiome could actually play a very important role in DSM's We Make It Possible initiative for improving animal sustainability, isn't it? Absolutely. I would say that the microbiome is at the heart of We Make It Possible. And for some of our listeners who have not heard about what We Make It Possible is, could you give them a quick overview of what this initiative is all about? We Make It Possible is DSM's strategic initiative uh, to lead 
an unparalleled worldwide transformation in animal protein production. And it, it starts from recognizing that, that animal protein is going to be an essential component to global livelihood and that simply eliminating meat is, is neither realistic nor responsible. So then it's on us to make animal farming sustainable for socially, financially, and from an environmental perspective. And we have to do this. Animal production is already 14 to 15% of global greenhouse gas emissions, uh, and the world's population is not getting any smaller. So uh, under We Make It Possible, there are, there are six pillars, six strategic pillars for areas to target on sustainability. And our position on the microbiome, how we think about it, the products that we develop, are grounded in, in addressing those pillars. And you talk about these other pillars. Could you just give a, a quick overview of what these other pillars are? Sure. Uh, so uh, one area that we had mentioned was tackling antimicrobial resistance uh, by supporting a global transition away from, from feed antibiotics through microbiome science. But uh, other essential pillars are improving the lifetime performance of, of animals improving quality and reducing feed uh, loss and food loss and waste, reducing emissions, making efficient use of our natural resources, and reducing reliance on, on marine resources. And what does the microbiome do here? Is there any responsibility that uh, we make microbiomes be part of? Yes. So the microbiome is responsible for extracting energy and nutrients from feed, So if we improve that, we can increase feed efficiency. And as the microbiome breaks down and converts uh, undigested parts of, of the animal's diet, carbohydrates and proteins in the feed, the, the microbiome converts those into metabolites that can improve immunity and reduce inflammation, improve behavior, and, and through various signaling pathways. It, it can even... Uh, guide whether protein is degraded into waste and emissions, whether carbon is broken down into greenhouse gases, or whether those, essentially that carbon and nitrogen goes into the animal to make it uh, more productive, healthier, and uh, and have better behavior. Very nice. And how is DSM, you know, using its microbiome position to act on these concepts that you've just shared? We are building first-in-kind products that guide microbial metabolism away from emissions, and toward behaviors or microbiome functions that simultaneously benefit the animal. An example in the poultry industry is that if you guide the microbiome's nitrogen metabolism toward making protein more productively available to the bird rather than being treated into the litter, you can dramatically improve wastewater emissions and simultaneously improve growth and feed efficiency. So by directing the microbiome away from things like parasitic fermentation and uh, toward behaviors like proteolysis. You decrease ammonia, you decrease the types of uh, nitrogenous free radicals that, that hinder nutrient absorption and, and render the bird more susceptible to disease. And what is proteolysis? What was that? I don't know how to pronounce this word, but what does it mean? Yeah. <laughs> how do you pronounce it? Yeah, sorry, I, I got a little bit excited on the science there. So proteolysis is when microbes take protein that the animal didn't absorb. You know, our bodies and animals are really good at absorbing the protein that we feed them, but they're not perfect at it. And microbes can either take that undigested protein and turn it into waste and emissions, and we call that um, 
parasitic fermentation, or it can take that undigested protein and repurpose it so that the animal can absorb it and use it to, to grow and build muscle mass and improve, uh, improve its health. And that's called proteolysis. It sounds a bit like a circular economy thing, but that just goes on in your body. It's exactly right. And it's, it goes back to what we were saying about how our microbiomes partner with us. They, they, we work together in order to, um, in order, in order to meet our nutritional and our, and our health and our sustainability needs. So Jack, as a consumer um, myself, if I, when I go to the supermarket, you know, is there like a sign for me to, to look at if I know a certain animal's uh, microbiome has been taken into consideration and making sure that they produce the best uh, yield for in terms of quality of the meat and also emissions? Unfortunately, no, it's, it's, um, it's hard to go and look at a package and, and see that just yet. Um, Certainly, you can see whether animals were raised uh, with feed antibiotics or not, and uh, microbiome science plays an important role in making sure that the animals that are raised without feed antibiotics are not subjected you know, are not subject to disease or a reduction in their welfare or how well they are raised, or that because they the industry has moved away from feed antibiotics that the net result was a worse emissions profile from a from a sustainability perspective but there is currently it's very difficult for us to track these elements in the supermarket isn't it it's hard to do that in the supermarket and the the global animal production sector and industry is now embracing modern microbiome science through new products and new technologies that are that are being made available. Um, you know, such as at, at DSM, we've constructed a new class of microbiome products that work simply by shifting microbial uh, functions uh, by by changing their metabolism to realize these these benefits between profitability and and sustainability in in raising uh, animal protein and with so much going on in microbiome you know clearly there are some real scientific advances that have taken place so there's also a lot of hype that's going on so what are your thoughts on how we can filter through all these noise that we're exposed to as consumers it's a great question. And like all new areas of science, there, there is a mix of, of very good work that's being done, some hype, and we have to learn how to filter through that. And I, I would say that the easiest way to do this from the perspective of a customer or a consumer is look to see if the explanation for why a product works. Uh, is it just the same products that you've seen? Uh, is it the same probiotics? Is it the same, uh, you know, feed additives that 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 you've seen simply now being marketed using a microbiome story, or is there fundamentally new science and evidence to take advantage of uh, this rapidly developing field? And if that's built inherently into how those those products work and why they generate benefits 
for humans, for animals, uh, for farmers. And uh, I think it's one of these cases where you, you know it when you see it. Now, Jack, I'm very interested to find out more about this topic myself. And I'm sure there are a lot of listeners out there who would love to do the same. Is there any website that they can go on to check out more about microbiomes? Well, there's a, there's an effort that we have at DSM in order to, to bring this type of information forward. So let me, uh, let me get back to you with, with a website link that we can put into, in, into, the, into the podcast. So, Jack, thank you so much for explaining what microbiome is. And um, I think it's a very complicated topic, but you brought it really, really well. And I just want to check in with you. How are you feeling right now? I'm feeling great. Thank you, Leanne. It's a pleasure discussing this with you. And uh, I, I think as a scientist, as a consumer, as, uh, as somebody with an agricultural background, this is one of the most exciting times in, uh, in the advances in veterinary and, and animal nutritional sciences. Thank you so much for being here with us, Jack. It was a pleasure having you. Likewise. It was absolutely a pleasure being here with you today. Here's a quick recap from what Jack has shared with us on this episode. Firstly, the discovery of the past few years, microbiome is actually an organ. Number two, Contrary to popular belief, cows don't produce methane. It is actually the microbiome that's doing it. Number three, our microbiomes naturally partner with us, so we should learn more about how we can work together with them and use them to our advantage. Earlier in the episode, Jack busted the myth that our bodies aren't as sterile as we were led to believe since microbes are everywhere. Yep, we are full of bacteria. Before we start thinking, ah, ew, remember that our microbes work together to help us with our nutrition and health and even perform functions for us like metabolic functions that our cells do not know how to. That means we can work together with our microbiomes in our body to make their jobs easier. And one way we could do this is through the food that we consume. Here's a list of food you might want to start adding to your dietary intake. Grapefruit, parsley, berries, oats, and my personal favorite, beetroot. Is there anything on the list that you would start consuming more of today? Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Learn FM. Don't forget to share what you have learned from this podcast with others, because when we learn together, we grow together.